0: and today we come to a message that I'd rather not give. We come to a subject I'd rather not address. But I have to tell you the truth. My job is not to tell you what you want and need to hear and get you all jazzed up. My job is to tell you the truth. And the truth is that every mature believer has a Gethsemane. Every true believer has a prayer Gethsemane. What do you mean by that, Pastor? There are some things you're going to have to face that you'd rather not face. I wish I could give you a bunch of happy talk and tell you just have enough faith and you'll escape all that. That wouldn't be true. Every believer has at least one Gethsemane. Some of you have already gone through that. Many of you are in the middle of it. Many of you have it yet to come. But I want to give you some good news from the beginning, and that is, don't forget this during the message now. There is someone who has already gone through it, who will never forsake nor leave you, who will be right there with you. And will get you successfully through it. Because he's already done it and knows how to do it. Amen. Well we talked about how Jesus served the 11 Holy Communion. They sung a hymn and they walked out. Well where would they go? Matthew 26 answers that for us. Verse 36. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I go and what? Pray. You're going through the pressure, Jesus knowing that his time had been fulfilled. Jesus knowing that in 24 hours he would be brutally murdered. Jesus knowing that this was the appointed hour that the Father had given him to finish the assignment to draw you and me into the Kingdom of God. Jesus, knowing that, prayed. Verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, we know that earlier in the Scriptures as James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. The Greek word there means he became extremely heavy with great distress heavy to the point watch this verse 38 my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even to death I can't bear this much more stay here he said to the three and watch with me Jesus knew that at any time the soldiers from the temple guard would come to arrest him And take him to the Roman authorities and eventually have him crucified. My soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Heavy, distressed, burdened. I don't know about you, but I've had those times in my life when my soul was exceedingly sorrowful. I have fallen on the floor I have wept and cried out. I have screamed to the top of my lungs. Sometimes I'm embarrassed to tell you I've kicked a hole in a wall. Just so distressed, deeply sorrowful. Have you ever been there? When you didn't think you could go another day, didn't think that you could last any longer. Didn't think that a breakthrough would never come. Didn't have any idea. It felt like he had abandoned you. How many of you say, Pastor, I know you've been there. Anybody else been there? There's most of us. Jesus said, My soul, my soul, the one who had perfect intimate fellowship with the Father that was never broken by sin, my soul is exceedingly heavy, distressed. Notice what he said, stay here and watch with me. Then he went, verse 39, a little farther and fell on his face. And he prayed, saying, oh, my Father. If it is possible, let this cup, let this assignment pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter. Remember, Peter had just said, I'll never forsake nor leave you. Even if I have to die with you, you can count on me. And Jesus said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, a second time, verse 42 he went away and he prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them sleep again, for their eyes were heavy. 44, so he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Oh, my Father, please let this cup, this assignment, let it pass. Please find another way. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. My betrayer is at hand. Praying in your Gethsemane. Can I ask you something? Where is the journey that you're on today? Where is your journey heading that you don't want it to go? You have some internal issues. That have given you the perfect train wreck. I mean you have tried to delay and ignore and pass along, but they've accumulated now. And you have got to deal with the train wreck that is your inner man. What is it? has all of your finances and income and assets, have they dwindled to nothing and it looks like you are a disaster waiting to happen, that there's no future. What has the doctor said is going on with you from which there is no healing or escape? Where are your relationships that are broken Where are they so broken you don't see any path to reconciliation? Where is it that looks like you you just wish he would intervene and fix it for God's sake? But it doesn't seem to happen that way. What are you struggling with? What? Where are you in your Gethsemane? Where are you crying out? Oh, my Father, let this pass. Intervene. Do something. We all have had or do have those Gethsemanes. What are our options in Gethsemane? What are our options? Do you know that Jesus had options? Sure he did. When Peter, who was armed, by the way, so it's okay. When Peter drew a sword and cut off the high priest's servant's ear, Jesus said, put that up. Do you not know that I could call legions of Twelve legions of angels. A legion was a troop of 6,000. I could get 72,000 angels right here in this garden right now to deliver me from this hour. It's not about what I could do. I have that option. Nevertheless, I have to drink the cup my Father has given to me. Can I tell you something? Our options sometimes, if you're like me, you think about every option for deliverance, right? You're going through Gethsemane, you think about every option for deliverance. And I don't know about you, but I can wear myself out trying to figure it out. Amen? Even sometimes after I pray and commit it to the Lord, I find myself trying to figure it out later on. Do y'all do that? Boy, now that's powerful, isn't it? I'm confessing to you. So we had to go back and recommit, right? Now, what are our options? Some, most of the time, our options have to do with either relief or resolution, and they're usually not the same. Sometimes we cry out, God, please, if there's another way, get me out of this. Fix it. Don't let me have to walk through this just Zout me or lead me around or do something, fix it. Can I tell you something? Um, sometimes that happens. Sometimes God miraculously moves in and he just delivers. Most of the time he chooses not to deliver except through development. Development. We get delivered, but it's only through the process of the process, not the event, the process of development. And that process has to do with learning to stay with the assignment God has given us. You say, Pastor, yeah, I just would give anything if this if I didn't have to deal with all of this. The chances are good that you'll have an opportunity to be developed rather than delivered instantaneously. And the good news is that God is more interested in glory than he is escape. Now let's define glory. You see this all over the scriptures and you think glory, glory, glory. Well, what is it? Glory is the manifestation of something that is real but unseen. Glory is the manifestation. Dina, press that button behind you that says, yeah. Good. Thank you. All right. Light. Now press the top button. Light is the glory of electricity it's what can be seen of an invisible but real force the bible says god has not been seen by any man at any time but the glory of god is manifested the heavens declare the glory of god you can see his handiwork and jesus was the visible personification in flesh and blood of the glory of God. He just like Jesus said, You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Okay? So, what is my Gethsemane all about? It's not about escape. Could have called 72,000 angels. It's about glory, it's about the increased capacity of carrying the character and the manifestation of your Father. That's what glory is. Let me say that one more time. It is the increased ability to carry the manifestation of the presence of your Father. One reason why God hadn't fixed your stuff real fast is because the process is going to bring glory to your Father. It's going to bring glory to your Father. Escape or glory. Jesus chose glory. Notice what he did. He expressed his heart's desire. Can I tell you something? You're in your Gethsemane. It's okay to cry out and ask God to do it another way. It's all right. It's okay to say, Lord, please fix this. Resolve this. If you'll just do a miracle, I'll give you all the praise and glory. That's a legitimate prayer. And sometimes, sometimes God does that. But here's the thing. Jesus submitted to the Father getting more glory. He deferred to the Father's plan, and he deferred to the Father's glory. That is Increased manifestation and revelation of the Father's heart in plan. Notice what else he did. Go back there to verse 37. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John. Can I tell you something? One of the most critical things that we need to do when we're in a deep labor of, of a crisis, when, when we know that there's something that we're facing and it doesn't look like we're going to be delivered from it, we're going to have to go through it, Get you an inner circle of those that you believe and trust. And don't be afraid to call on them and ask them to walk in the garden with you. Now understand this. Listen, are you with me? They are probably going to disappoint you at some point. They're probably not going to be quite as attentive and passionate as you would like for them to be at some point. Peter, James, and John had their own personal crises and weakness and they actually failed in the garden to watch and pray. But notice, Jesus knew that was going to happen but he called them anyway. You know why? Because you and I Need an inner core, an inner covering, an inner circle of those who will walk through it with us. And what is their job? What is your inner core circle's job? To pray and to watch. That is to know what's going on and to pray. Do you have, a, do you have an inner circle why, why don't you? Oh, they don't care. Well, maybe it's because you hadn't invited them in. And maybe that's because you're too ashamed or too proud or too afraid that if you did invite them in, they might leave. Understanding that they're not going to be perfect, they're not going to be the resolution. If I'm you, I would go to school on this. He called for an inner circle of prayer and presence. Notice what he did there. He yielded his will. Oh, my Father, if it's possible that this cup pass from me, if I don't have to go through this, if you can just deliver me without having to go through the chemo treatments, if you could just Deliver me, so I don't have to go before the judge. If you could just deliver me, so everybody don't have to know my, my stuff and my pain, that's a legitimate prayer. But we got to always add, but Father, not my will, but yours be done, because I want you to get the most glory, and I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to share that glory. Can I tell you something? Nothing you can achieve, nothing that you can miss, nothing that you can be delivered from is worth the increased revelation of the presence of your Father. Nothing worth that. You know why? Because the only reason you and I are still here is to be transformed into the image and likeness of Jesus. He could do it just like that if you were out of here. But the Word says that the Holy Spirit is Doing what? Transforming us from glory, from glory to glory. From one manifestation of his presence to another. You can't skip the process. In Gethsemane, he is not fun but is necessary. Jesus yielded his will. How'd he do that? How'd he do that? I want you to look at verse 46 there comes a time when you know that you're not going to be instantaneously delivered that you're going to have to face your stuff you're going to have to deal with it look at verse 46 when jesus knew that that which was going to give the father the most glory he said rise let us go from here all right What did he do? He walked towards it. Notice initially he said, Father, don't let me have to go through this, please. Save me, deliver me, don't let me have to go through this. But when it became very obvious that that was what was going to give the Father the most glory, what did he do? He said, well, let's be about it. You're never going to see God's power and resolution in you as you continue to lay there with the covers over your head ignoring what you're going to have to face. To obey the Lord, you've got to face it. You've got to walk towards it. But notice what Jesus walked towards it with. Full assurance. Full assurance that it was the Father's perfect plan. Why, 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 why? Because the Lord Jesus was not about relief. He was about the legacy of the results that the Father was going to bring through Jesus were going to far outweigh any temporary pain. Do you know that the Lord has chosen you as his daughter, as his son? And for whatever reason, he has chosen you as a carrier of his glory. And you're not going to be sufficiently able to carry his glory until you have walked through some of these things that you have to totally depend on the Lord for. You're going to be able you're going to be able, on the other side of Gethsemane, I promise you, on the other side of Gethsemane and the crucifixion, there is a mighty resurrection that is going to bring great power and great results and great reward. In closing today, I want you to turn with me to Hebrews 12. I want want you to see how Jesus did it. How did he do it? What was the inner motivation for him doing what he did? Facing it, walking towards it. Every time I hear of believers facing and walking toward, fully facing their life issues, it blesses me. We've got a lot of champions in here. We've got people who've walked through and faced death. We've got people in here who have walked through the dissolution and the death of relationships they have walked through and faced the dissolution of, of finances they have walked through the dissolution of relationships that they thought they couldn't live without we've got people who have faced death itself right square in the face and by the glory of God have faced it and walked towards it we've got people listen we've got people in this fellowship that have looked at themselves very closely and they have identified that they have an addictive personality and instead of denying and wish it wasn't true and asking God to take it away from them, they have faced it by the glory of God and are walking successfully through it. Now that's victory right there. That is victory. Jesus faced it. How did he do it? Chapter 12 of Hebrews verses 1 and 2 tells us in this wonderful passage. Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And those witnesses are those <laughs> who are looking on today who have entered into their reward. Let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily besets us, snares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Watch this. Verse 2. This is powerful. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, Lord, this is about you. You're writing the book, you'll finish the book. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Despising the shame this shame is nothing i'm going to face the shame of being stripped naked i'm going to face the shame of carrying sin that i've never known i'm going to face the shame of carrying steve's sin and johnny's sin and your sin i all that sin is going there all the shame you have ever experienced or i've ever experienced all the shame on the pure and spotless son of god took on himself he saw all that, but there was joy beyond that. Joy. He faced and looked down on that shame. He said, This shame is nothing compared to the joy I'm about to receive. Well, what was the joy? What was the joy? You are. His daughters. His sons bringing you into the fellowship and the knowledge of your heavenly Father. You are to live for eternity, life without end, in his presence, being with him, knowing him forever. You are his joy. You are his joy. God give us revelation of that. The shame was nothing compared to the joy. The joy of fellowship restored to the Father, the joy of the completion of his assignment, the joy of the fulfillment of his purpose, the incredible multiplication of his life's work and sacrifice, the fruit that was born, the joy. So while you're in Gethsemane, Why don't we do what Jesus did and start asking the Father to give us a greater revelation of a heavier weight of His glory that we're going to be able to carry? And can I tell you, there is nothing temporary that can compare to that. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You can get through anything if you'll ask God to get your eyes on the joy that is set before you. We're going to celebrate mightily next Sunday the resurrected Jesus and what that now means for us. But on this week that we call Passion Week, don't forget the price he paid. And don't forget that something is going on in Gethsemane that has everything to do with glory. With glory. And can I ask you to do something? Next time you're in Gethsemane, and some of you are there now, Escape won't change anything. You can try to escape through any number of things, but an escape and an effort to escape will do nothing but set you back. Partner with the Lord and say, Jesus, help me to walk this out as you did. You give me your strength, your strength, your counsel, your wisdom. But most of all, I want to be a carrier of your glory. Your glory. Will you bow your heads with me and let's pray. Mighty Father, give us greater revelation of the heart of Jesus. And Father, in our Gethsemane, may we never forget to look to the joy that is set before us the joy of fulfilling our assignment, the joy of bearing more the glory of God. You know our hearts and minds. You know we don't look forward to that. But when we have to go through it, Lord, when you choose not to deliver us through an event, may we be more and more confident that we're being developed by your grace. Knowing there will be an end to this season. And knowing there is the reward of a fulfilled assignment and greater glory. Oh, Holy Spirit, minister to all these your precious sons and daughters today. Give us greater revelation of you. In the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. I look forward to seeing you next Sunday. God bless you. Go with God.